I'm Justin McGann. And uh, this is episode 12 of the Landscape Mode podcast. Yeah, this week on the podcast, we're going to talk uh, about Safari's push notification that they're building and expanding for uh, OS X. And we're going to talk about the kill switch that Android has built into, or that Samsung has built into their new phones that none of the carriers want to use. Uh, going to talk a little bit about absolute software and prime sense which is prime sense is the connector like 3d sensor that uh apple just bought and what kind of goodness they have in store for that technology and then ike is going to regale us with a wonderful story about the the incredible changes in the restaurant airport world right with regard Dy- to toronto dystopian dystopian restaurants at toronto pearson airport yeah Okay, so by now, at all every one of these trade shows I go to, every talk, and every listicle that you see in these infographics about should I be hybrid or should I be native? You love listicles. Yes. So all the native people are always like harping on push notifications. Like, oh my God, mm-hmm. if I do a hybrid app, I won't get my push notifications because everybody loves these push notifications right. that, that you only get if you forget to turn them off when you launch the app. But yeah. that's another matter. So now Apple has come out and said that they're going to support push. This this has been in the works for a while in the, um, what's that thing called where you're walking in front of the store, the wallet, you know, the, the frequent buyer oh, wallet, uh, Passbook. Oh, yeah, Passbook. So it's been in Passbook, but now developers for IO, for um, OS X can access push notifications that run even when the browser is not running. Yeah, this is a different type of push notification than Passbook. Like Passbook and and the different ones that are working out. Like I have uh, Major League Baseball, and which is weird because we were very close to the giant stadium. And so until I turned it off, every time just like went out for lunch and you'd venture a little bit closer to the Giants, uh, to AT&T Park, I would get this buzz letting me know that I was by the baseball stadium. It's like, leave me alone. It's extremely annoying. Like every time I walk by Walgreens, it tells me to buy things. Right. So you turn them off. Well, this is this is my uh, my new app idea. The idea that someone needs to make is uh, just make an app. Why did my phone just buzz? Because everything <laughs> everything can notify me now. So yeah. it buzzes, and I do this loop where I'm like, was it was it Hangout? Is someone sending me a chat in Google? Was it one of yes? Because you have sound off. So it's just a buzz. Just By the a time buzz. the phone's out of your pocket, the little bubble has gone. I have no idea. I've like unlocked it, and I'm not thinking, and I'm just looking for the notification. And it's like, was it? I had to pull up Gmail to see if it was a work email, or I could yes. go to the native uh, web uh, mail client to see if it was my personal email. And, or, and for people in the audience who are saying, no, no, just swipe from top down to get the list of past activities, but there's not always there. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't always show up there, and also you have to clear that out. So if let me swipe down now and count how many notifications oh, I have I in there. That's why I don't use it. It's just a it's a list of all this all these notifications. Different emails come in. Instagram, Spotify, someone has a new album out, Dropbox, NHL Game Center, Twitter, and then, in town. And this happens app because when you're installing an app, you're excited to use the app and it's like, do I blah blah blah? You're like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, what that said was yeah. Am I going to annoy the hell out of you with push notifications for a long time? You just said yes. Right. And even the ones that I want, this is, this is, we should be able to figure this out. If I turn on push notifications, 
don't email me about it. Uh, this is a Google Plus thing. Yeah, I get yeah. the push notification from Google Plus, and then a second later, I get it buzzes again. It's the email that I'm getting to t- notify me. But Google Plus, which is just about on its knees pleading with you to use it, is the king of like annoying you to death with as many pings as possible. Would you like to upload your pictures? I saw That's you took my more thing. pictures. Please is, upload them. I can't turn off the... I love the auto-sync feature. I love not having... it. Just, I can just pull up Plus from any computer or whatever and get my pictures off of there. That's fine. But it pretends like I have a notification... And so I'm like, oh, someone sent me something or shared a yes, link or no, whatever. You just have some pictures no, that you've already It auto-uploaded. automatically had updated and act and needs to notify me of this. Why is it auto if it's not if it yes. needs to notify me? So anyway, Apple is now because there isn't enough ways to push you in the world. They're supporting push notifications for OS 10 and I talked to some of the developers here at our generous and knowledgeable sponsor MoveWeb. Uh they say that these push notifications are coming to iOS also, meaning that developers of hybrid apps, first of all, developers of desktop apps can push notifi- can do push notifications that are unified with the push notifications from native apps. And they'll soon be able to, the word is, not unify them with push notifications from hybrid apps. So all these... So it's develop- going to be like, a, right now on the phone, you get push notifications from the operating system yeah. and this these push, push notifications would be like akin to getting a push notification from the safari browser from the safari browser on your phone when it's not running which is also pretty much never right and it's on the apple running. developer site they have these notes for push notifications right. they're they're telling they're asking developers not to charge extra for push notifications yeah and they've had push notifications on Safari for a while, but it's been a very select few. You had to connect your Facebook to it or your Twitter to it or your mail, and it was all these native Apple uh, push notifications. Now, like everything, eBay, anything that you want to turn push notifications on, if they if they have worked on it, you can. Yeah, it's out of control. I imagine they'll have to have a push notification manager that's different from the notification section, which is too hard to deal with. I it is out of control, but if it saves me from email, I'm okay with it. Um, so anyway, that is in that's in OS ten now, and it is kind of cool in OS ten because now whether you're on your desktop or on your mobile, you kind of could get this the notification in either screen, which I do like. Yeah, you know the one back end can keep track of what's going on on either screen. That's nice. But the problem is you can get them on either screen. I I don't mind getting them from either screen. It's more like when I get the notification on both. That's what bugs me. Yeah, and so that's just too many notifications. So whoever steals your phone, if if that ever happens, will get all your push notifications because your phone will not be able to be killed apparently, which is what Samsung recently was asking for. I I don't know how can you be against the kill switch for phones. It doesn't make any sense. Well, obviously consumers want this. Yeah. I want it because if someone steals my phone, I realize I'm not getting it back. Like, realistically, I'm not getting my phone back. At least give me the pleasure of bricking it and just saying, well, no one gets it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, supposedly it lowers the chance that someone will steal it. There's the statistic that was quoted in the International Business Times that uh, George Gascon, who is the... uh, District Attorney of the fine city and county of San Francisco said that 50% of the 
of all robberies in the city and county of San Francisco are stolen phones. Yeah, well, it's at the point now where when New York City talks about their, uh, they talk about their statistics for theft, they uh, abstract phone type. phones yep. from that because they'll, they'll always come up with a statistic, you know, non-iPhone thefts have gone down over the past 10 years. <laughs> it's like, okay, yes, because instead of stealing your wallet, they now steal your iPhone. Yep. And, and, you know, obviously when they steal your phone, they steal a few other things too. That's where they get statistic phone-involved theft. Right. Meaning the phone is like the leader of the, is the leading attractant of the theft. But it, it makes sense. I mean, these different uh, states that have pushed for uh, tracking, low-jack tracking on cars, they've seen, you know, less car theft. That's a little bit different because you get the car back. But by just being able to break the phone, you're changing the model so that there's less reward for stealing phones. Yeah. And it's interesting that this is, I, I found very weird, that the mechanism that, so Samsung wants to include a kill switch on their phones, just to recap. Mm-hmm. And the major US carriers have said, no, we won't have a kill switch on the phone. They claim, there's lots of reasons. They're like, no, somebody will trigger it by accident, someone will hack it and kill the phones. It's too much customer service cost. But I mean, the, the, the carriers do stand to make money on stolen phones because if more phones are stolen, the carriers actually make more money because they're selling more phones. Yes, and also definitely because they're selling more phones, but also because of insurance. Yeah, they sell insurance, they have a chance to upsell the customer when they get to talk to them again for their next phone, you know, all that stuff. Oh yeah, that's that's how everyone gets, has uh, got suckered into paying for these more expensive or capped data plans. We all had uncapped data plans five years ago. And what happened? You got a new phone, you signed a new contract, all of a sudden that unlimited data became five gigabytes. Unless you listened to our podcast two weeks ago and switched to (laughs) T-Mobile. So it's interesting you mentioned the car thing because, you know, if you grew up with, as I did, the commercials for LoJack, the mm-hmm. bar that goes on the steering wheel of your car. No, no, no. it's not LoJack. What is it called? No, it's called LoJack. No, LoJack is the tracking. Uh, oh yeah, car. that's right. It tracks it's your car cl- after the, they steal it. It's the the club. The club. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to confuse. Well, the the trademark people would be angry that I confused the two. So the LoJack is the GPS thing that finds the person who stole your car. So the company that makes the LoJack has licensed the term LoJack to Absolute Software, who is Samsung's partner in this kill switch. And they are calling it the Absolute LoJack kill switch. Really? Yeah. So they're like, so that people can sort of understand what it what is. What it does. Like it LoJacks your phone, mm-hmm. which represents a sort of marketing victory over of the LoJack people. Cause now they don't have just a product to sell. They have a trademark to sell for other things. Yeah that are quote-unquote low-jacked, but it didn't get it approved. So it's weird, you have all these district attorneys who want phones to have a kill switch, all these customers who want phones to have a kill switch. Manufacturers who want phones to have a kill switch. Manufacturers want the phones to have a kill switch, and the carriers are saying no. It seems like only Apple has been able to get one in. And that's because Apple was not, did not, Samsung is uh, wants the carriers to take on the responsibility of managing the kill switch. They turn both turn the phones on and turn it off. Uh, Apple doesn't do that. Apple, this is built into the the software. And yeah, so it. you kill it. You kill it. 
yeah. with your with your Apple your software. Apple. Yeah, exactly. It's completely mediated by the customer. But Samsung doesn't want to take on that responsibility. No, because like the thing about I mean Samsung doesn't control the operating system, which is something we're going to talk about too. So since they don't control the OS, it's it they would rely on somebody downloading some sort of Samsung LoJack software. But if you're a Mac user, yeah, well, it's yeah. Mac is Mac is very monolithic. It's very you have this, and we talked about it before. I mean, we both like Android, but it's very fractured, and so there's so many different operating systems. We were just playing around with an old Android tablet that we can't even upgrade to new versions yes. on. It's very fractured with operating systems. So having a kill switch, I that's built into the operating system that you have less control over because of the fractured nature of it, it could be problematic. I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm looking for excuses besides if they just make more money selling phones. I mean, the thing about Android is, you know, we talked about this too, is that if Android, if some 90% of phone exploits are on Android phones, wouldn't it be a fun exploit to trigger the kill switch? <laughs> that probably is a fear. What happens when someone makes this stupid app that everyone downloads that, you know, there's all these apps that we download for two days. Yes. Just because you hear about it. And this would be like Fruit Ninja Doomsday Edition when right. it kills all the right. phones that you download You make a stupid it. little game, and I'm not saying this is possible, but we obviously know that there's there have been issues with... Uh, yeah. And there's no, one to, there's no one really to go to because you have a split between the OS vendor and the Kill Switch vendor, mm -hmm. which is actually outsourced from the... You know the the device hardware vendor Samsung. At least Apple, you have it all, so there's some reliability that it's going to work together. That's that's always been the value proposition of Apple is by doing everything, they make sure everything works together, and you you yeah. have to buy into that. But if you when you do, so speaking of not working together, uh, there was this a really interesting a series of articles, but the I think one that summed it up really well. Uh, came out in Vision Mobile, this um, analyst firm out of England who does some really good work like talking about the mobile industry. They make some very jazzy infographics, but they also have substance behind them. And they're talking, uh, one of their analysts has an article out on their site, we'll put the link up, about how Google's Android, Android, which is supposedly an open source system, turns out not to be so open source because everything that's of value in Android for producing apps is locked up in the Google Play Store. Mm -hmm. So that means that although you could be a third-party hardware vendor and use Android as your operating system, if you don't get the whole Google Play Store package included, you can't offer all, offer all the cool apps. Right. And then it's pointless to have Android because apps really are what drives people's attraction to the phones. Right, and in a way, uh, Android is actually a platform for operating systems because everyone uses it as the like Kickstarter. They use it as a bootstrap for for it, and it's they want all that, but then they replace the apps. So uh, Samsung has will put on, or the carrier will put on a different app for music instead of using yeah. the Play Music. It'll put on the other. So Android is really just this bootstrapped operating system that all these providers and everyone tack things onto and that's you just you can't keep control of something when it's that open for carriers and people to do different things with yeah so the, i mean carrier carriers and carriers have removed for instance google maps and replaced it with nokia's here 
yeah. map solution. Well, they, they they take out, and I'm sh I'm sure you can install it, but they take out you know uh, Hangouts from being a default yep. thing. Uh, the Chrome isn't going to be on the future. It's I found that to be like Android shocking. I'm not a fan of Android browser. I think that, I mean, they'll have to put some other browser, and I noticed that Opera was one of the companies that was behind trying to create like independent stores other than Google Play mm -hmm. for Android. That's Opera's play. Man, Opera, I have to hand it to Opera. They just like stick with their idea. Like, we don't want there to be, they don't, Opera doesn't have any problem with, with uh, Apple or with Google. They like Safari, they like Chrome, but they want there to be more than a couple options. And so they just keep on chugging away. Yeah. And they do, and they do good things. Yeah, That's they, specifically why they're, um, they've like avoided getting into like the WebKit and it. Yeah, I really like Opera. You know, this whole, well, we'll come back to this in a sec, but the, the whole idea that Opera, you remember Opera's big play was we run these like highly efficient caching servers and we'll read the page for you and then construct it into something that delivers really fast and deliver it right. to your browser. Right. I find it really interesting that that's Chrome's new mobile play. That built into Chrome now, you your page is read by Google's caching servers and for, you know, we've talked about this too, everybody who has a Chrome browser on their mobile phone now, uh, block by block these users are being invited to participate in what Google calls like a data use reduction thing where would you like to use less data yes no mm -hmm. of course you say yes because you're paying for your data and that means all the pages that you view go through Google's caching and they take all the JavaScripts and turn them into one JavaScript they turn all the images into webby images they do all these wonderful optimizations and gather all all sorts of data about what you're doing and where you're surfing and then send you the page really fast which Opera was doing like yeah. five years ago. I had uh, longer than that. Yeah. I remember uh, before the iPhone, I always harken back to my first smartphone, my Trio, and I had Opera on there. And that was back when there was not mobile websites. So yeah. a lot of things didn't work in yeah, so your regular browser. Yeah, so you had to get Opera. So you ha everyone who would, you really used their mobile phone to go on the web had to use Opera. It was the only browser that was worth anything. Yeah. So back to that article, I, I would advise taking a look at this thing. It's just, it's completely amazing. They talk about how if you want your app to be on the same machine that runs all these really popular Google apps, you have to be in the Google Play Store. And then once you're in the Google Play Store, uh, you're pretty much locked into Google's play versions of these APIs. Right. Well, that, they're kind of trying to solve this fragmentation problem that we always talk about. Because if it works in Google Play, it will work across all these yeah. different versions. Yeah. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see what happens with these companies. Like there's a few of the large Chinese carriers have their own alternatives to the Google Play Store. And Amazon has its alternative to the Google Play Store. But if you if the apps if you as a developer, if you have to write different apps for different stores, supposedly all running on Android, and then within those subdivisions, you have to also target different versions of the hardware. You're never going to do it. You're just going to write to Google Play because it's the biggest chunk. Right. So we'll see what happens in that sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I one of them is going to win out. Whether I mean, obviously, it looks like the deck is stacked in Google Play's way, but yeah. people can, just can't develop for <clears throat> native apps for everything. 
And this is, I, I mean, this we've already noted that this is what's motivating Samsung to develop its own operating system because Google is not just giving away, there's this conception that Android is just this freebie it's giving to all the carriers. There's a heavy price that the carriers pay. They have to include the Google Play Store for users to want to do anything. And um, so they, you know, Tizen is now available and it's going to be increasingly available on Samsung devices uh, as an alternative to the Google to the Google's Android, but Tizen purportedly runs Android apps. I just don't know what that means. Does it mean it runs Google Play Store apps, or does it run the Android apps that run sort of the public APIs on Android that have some four-letter abbreviation that I cannot remember the name of? Yeah. I mean, it's they've got to figure things out. I. Oh, that's the AOSP, meaning like there's these sort of second second class citizen APIs called AOSP that anybody can use that's writing an Android app, but you all the cool ones are in the Play Store. Mm-hmm. So when Tizen says, yeah, we run Android apps, what does that mean? Right. Does it run just those? Does it run Google Play? And BlackBerry now says it runs Android apps. Does that mean you Google Play Store for BlackBerry? Anyone that can that knows that people aren't going to develop apps for their operating system is going to want to be able to run Android apps because then all of a sudden their phones become more functional. So, oh, so in our office building, when we went to lunch today, at our office building downstairs, there's one of these large screen televisions that that just shows you ads, you know, while you're waiting for the elevator. And today's ads are all about, hey, BlackBerry is so secure. Don't you want to have BlackBerry on the phone you choose? The tagline was something like, they choose the hardware, you choose the software. Right. Telling people, look, okay, they didn't want your BlackBerry hardware, but maybe they'll use BlackBerry Messenger and other stuff. Right, and it's a it's a way for, there are lots of people that still want to use a BlackBerry, and their work tells them no. And so it's a way of, okay, Conceding, I'm going to use an iPhone or Android or whatever. Like we know you hate our hardware, but please use our security software. Well, they might the people not may not even hate their hardware. They might want the BlackBerry phone, but work doesn't support it anymore. They, yeah, you know, lots of lots of places don't want to deal with the three people at their in their company that still use BlackBerry. That's so true. they make them use the iPhone. And if you or can, Android. Or, or Android, right. It's ironic that this we're talking about an elevator that's uh, one building away from Google's San Francisco headquarters. Yeah, we're talking about as we walk <laughs> by it. Um, so it allows people who have to switch away from BlackBerry to still have their messenger and still have things that are familiar to them. Um, so what do you think about uh, Apple buying this 3D technology, this 3D recognition technology? It's the, it's the company that... Prime Sense. Yeah, developed that Connect thing, which is I think the only cool thing Microsoft has ever developed. It's a, yeah, it's a Connect like a three D sensor. I think it's awesome because, and we've already seen this. I wish I remembered what phone it was. The, it's one of these phones that does all the ridiculous. You look away and the video stops. Oh, the Samsung phone. Where yeah, it, yeah. You're... Well, they they have the one that you don't have to touch the screen, it's gesture-based, so you can yes. go up above it and you can swipe without touching it. That, that, in the commercials, it's ridiculous. In the, well, it looks like just a use case for accidental use. 
meaning that you know you're waving goodbye to your mom, your phone starts calling your accountant. Like, it just doesn't seem like it could possibly work. Oh, geez, you sound like you're writing Microsoft phone commercials now. Uh. <laughs> All that functionality, you don't actually need that. It just makes things confusing. So that one is a little weird. I couldn't remember um, the gestures. So, but what's Apple going to do with PrimeSense? Gestures, I think so. I think that they want to build in because... Uh, for you, phones or for Apple for, TV or what? I would assume for phones, but who knows. But yeah. you know because you also are, use the iPad a lot. I love the... Uh, five finger gestures with the iPad. I agree they're really good and you good. don't have that with the phone so I think it's a way to bring those kind of gestures oh, I yeah. navigate my iPad a lot better than I navigate my phone yeah. because I can do the out go across go to you know the same way that we you navigate with your touchpad on, on your laptop able to switch between screens very easily able to scroll up and down easier um, so I think there's potential for those kind of gestures that you can't quite, you can't get five fingers on your phone. I think there's that motion. Yeah, above the phone. Above and the it phone. is an incredibly unique motion that like you would not do by accident. Right, so, you know, Yeah. of course, you can't see in the podcast, but I'm making the gesture that you would make with the five fingers on the iPad when you want to zoom out and you kind of throw your fingers out. If we were newscasters, we would mention the scene in Minority Report where they are, because that's what you have every to mention. Single, every single time people talk about gesture-based things, <laughs> they, they cut to that clip because it's free, because it's part of the trailer, I'm sure, or yes. it was part of some sort of press kit. So you have to have that. You have to mention that when you talk about right. gestures. Right. You know, as an aside, though, they paid $345 million for this company. I have been noticing that, like, these companies with really critical core technology sell between 50 and maybe 300 million. And the companies that just have lots of underage users sell in the billions. Yeah, that's the, the thing is it's like, what, a million dollars per engineer and then a hundred dollars per user. Like that's, I mean, I'm just spitballing, but that's like the idea. That's that, probably true. That you engineers, you have 30, you're worth $30 million. Uh, you have you know, 300 uh, million users, well, you're worth 30, uh, 30 uh, billion dollars or 33 billion dollars. I can't do the math on the fly. Uh, and so I wanted to tell you about my recent trip to Toronto. Yes. So when you, you're... previously the Toronto Pearson Airport was a very civilized place. It's one of the more civilized airports in Canada. Like Montreal is just kind of chaotic. It's a disaster. It's not the most organized or maybe even the cleanest airport. My apologies to the fine people of Montreal. And then Vancouver is like, there's like a waterfall. There's some like stuffed beavers like right. in the waterfall. So Vancouver is just yeah, it's overly, very natural. overly enamored with how beautiful it is. It's Get over very... Vancouver. We know you're beautiful. <laughs> There's like Native American totem pole. Okay, so Toronto now, apparently they're, they have an image change. They're now the iPod, uh, the iPad airport. So when you go to the restaurant, to, to the restaurants, the, these restaurants occupy the entire terminal. There's no way to sit and wait for your plane except to sit at one of the restaurant, like they look sort of like low cubicles, um, mm -hmm. like you might see in a call center. Where okay. you can, you know, the cubicle only goes up to mid chest height, and then there's another cubicle next to you. And in front of you, like right in front of your face, about eight inches in front of your face, is a, an iPad suspended on a robot arm. 
and the iPad is talking to you. It's at it's you know it's it's has text on it, and there's a menu, and you touch what you want to order, mm-hmm. and then it starts saying, you know, do you want to read the New York Times? Would you like to read the Globe and Mail? Do you want to watch a video? And sound comes out of these things. Now there's one. There's like they're like one meter apart. You're one meter from the next person next from the person next to you. The iPad's talking and playing music and ads and that's how you order. Yeah. And when you order your food, the waitress or waiter, you don't even know because you can't look away from the iPad, comes over and just deposits your food in front of you and goes away. No interaction. There's no interaction. I didn't even know what my waiter looked like because I did not see it's him. Just or a her. delivery service. Yes. Because I was like staring at the iPad. And you pay on the iPad. So there's no check. There's no anything. There's no human interaction. It's just you and the iPad. And there's no way to get away from it except to stand in the corridor instead of going to your terminal. Because the entire terminal is occupied by these... It's so bad. It's like, it reminds me of like what people thought the future was going to be like in the 70s, like late 70s, early 80s, when they would make like futuristic things. It's like, pretty In the bad. future, when you go to the airport... You'll just sit down and you'll have a touch screen and you order and things will get delivered to you. It's really so bad. It's like the and worst everything, use of technology ever. Plus people, everything pushes you ads. One of the many movies that we've seen where people are stuck in airports and by happenstance they talk to each other and then mm-hmm. like, you know, they get married. That'll never happen. It'll be about you and the, the next movie's going to be about you and the iPad. No, but there's, like, you can use technology without being coming. That is, that takes it to a ridiculous impersonal level. There's good ways that you can use technology. When we go and we pay with Square at the at the coffee shop, and it's just it what it is is it eliminates us from using technology. The phone just works with their register. Yeah. It knows, and instead of getting in the way, all of the interaction just becomes between you and the cashier, and you don't have to do. You know, it actually, I think it facilitates social interaction because there's not an awkward moment where do you visibly leave a tip. You know the old days where you used to, she's making the coffee, but you wait till she turns around to put the dollar in the jar to show her that you're tipping? Right. <laughs> so now you just do it on Square, and she knows. Right. You and don't it's, have to. Right. It's, less, it's not awkward, and you're not spending all your time dealing with, they're not all spending all their time looking down at the register, and you're not spending all your time either fudging with your wallet and taking yeah. it. My move is always to pay with my debit card and then put my wallet away, and then they hand me back my debit card and I have to take my wallet back. Yes, yeah, really. Yeah. So there's good uses of technology that eliminate that hassle and actually make it more personal. This airport sounds awful. The airport restaurant, it's like a new thing. It's coming purportedly to an airport near you. No. And my first thought was this is the most inappropriate use of iPad or touchscreen technology, and I'm thinking, what is the name of this restaurant? And I looked up, and the restaurant is called Apropos. <laughs> to like, it's just to try to force you to believe that this is an appropriate use for the iPad. No, no, no. Hey, anyway, I think uh, we're at a half hour. It is the appropriate time to close the close out the podcast. Podcast, yeah. We need to go. Uh, it's Thanksgiving break, so of course no one's left here. No, we are the only two here. We'll go make a run on the kitchen and see what good food is left, and then we'll head out of here. Uh, so. so until next week, Have I am one. Mike DiLorenzo. I'm Justin again. And this is The Landscape. Oh, I can't hope for, for you to get better,